Welcome to All His Movies, the Shia LaBeouf podcast. This is Episode 8, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, from 2009. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. If you're playing along at home, if you're doing your own Shia marathon, this movie started at 6.10 a.m., the first morning of his, so like we're almost a full day into his marathon now. Hmm. This, is, this is a nice little movie to wake up to, just two and a half hours of loud right. robot noises. It's like an alarm clock that's stuck, right? And you can never turn it off. <laughs> it just keeps going. When we talked about Transformers 3, we talked about this sort of, we talked about the whole series. This movie's bad. Yeah. This movie's, it's rough. This movie's worse than the third one. Well... It's weird. I think it... Well, um, I think it is for... Um, I don't know. I feel like Shy is not in this movie as much as he is in the third one. Is that is that fair? Like, at least Transformers 3 was like, all right, we're going to show him in his private life. Like, here it's sort of like he's going to school, and then, like, basically once he's at school, then the robot stuff happens. In the third one, I feel like we spend more time with him, like, trying to get a job and doing this and doing that. I don't know. I feel like there's the same, kind of the same amount of time during, like, the first half of the movie. Like you said, in part three, he's getting a job. In this one, he's going to college. But once that hour mark, or once he joins up with the Transformers, like, it's just, again, like, as bad as last time, you know? I mean, I don't think it's quite as bombastic. I was actually laughing more and cringing less for the first part of it this time. All the military stuff I still can't stand, but as far as the Shia stuff was concerned, from the stuff we got here, I liked. It just overstays its welcome extremely fast, especially having just watched part three. The one big difference is that Megan Fox is in this one before she was kicked out, not by Michael Bay. I don't remember if we talked about mm-hmm. this in the last episode, but the no, one thing that I read really. was that it, he wasn't the one who wanted to get her kicked off set. It turned out that it was yeah. actually Steven Spielberg that had her fired, and that Michael Bay was making the third one with her in mind, and she was forced to drop out. Didn't she make some offhand comment that... Well, she compared Michael Bay to Hitler. Michael Bay directs like a Nazi. I don't think that would sit well with Spielberg. I don't know. Yeah, I would agree with that. But the big difference here is that she's in this one. I mean, her character is not given really anything to do. Just like the first movie where the only thing I remember from the first movie, like I was saying last time, is that shot of her at the engine. The first time we see her is when she's on the motorcycle airbrushing the motorcycle apparently behind the scenes she only thought there was a camera in front of her she didn't know about this camera that was sort of like just panning around her ass that's just Michael Bay being Michael Bay from the very Mm -hmm. start we're just like oh you know She's just this object, and then we see her changing a couple scenes later, and she's just there to like look pretty. Even though she's not given much to do, I think she's really good in this movie. She does the best she can, and I don't envy her job here whatsoever, because her, she's just here to be objectified. It's te- kind of terrible. Like, Michael Bay's... The Bay filter through this movie is just obnoxious to me. It just feels like someone, some like teenager, made this movie or something. I don't, I don't even know. Or someone who thinks they're a teenager going through a midlife crisis. It's just crazy because her character is tough and can do things and could be pivotal. And yeah, she's basically a pinup model and. I don't know. It didn't bode well with me. Uh, I give her a lot of credit. I don't see anything wrong with what she's doing, so I don't get a lot of the criticisms towards her. I, I'm more, much more critical of the robots and the other crap and the plot and stuff like that. That's bothering me. When Megan Fox is on the screen, I'm fine. The most offensive scene, I think, well, not offensive in like well, sort of in degrading ways, but the 
the frat party is mm-hmm. like the worst part of this movie. It's like somebody who didn't go to school and didn't know what a frat party was, like want to shoot like a he basically turns his frat party into a music video, but apparently this frat that they're at, like the party that they're at is the actual frat that Michael Bay went to. <laughs> it's the Psi <laughs> Upsilon fraternity. And so like okay. Shy is like taking that icing off the cake and like drawing the glyphs on the table and the cake says Psi U, like P S I U. That's Michael Bay's frat. So I guess I don't know if this was like the ultimate dream party that he wanted to go to it's beautiful women dancing to like professional lighting beautiful girl who comes up and just is like hey you sam like let's dance then just starts grinding on him eventually we find out later she's a robot which is i have huge problems with (laughs) this is sort of like the ultimate boy fantasy of isn't this the coolest party in the world it's like the 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 best friend character that guy i want to i want to get his full name right because i hate it so much leonardo ponce de leon spitz aka leo spitz it's like he is michael base sort of that he's just like i'm living it up like i'm in this dorm we hacked the school to have like the 55 hottest girls in our dorm room i'm going to this party it's going to be like a hunt we're going to be on the prowl i'm gonna get all this women blah 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 it's just like oh this is all terrible yeah it's it's super unfortunate it's funny that this is Michael Bay's actual frat house. If you've seen the movie Mystery Men, at the end of that movie, he does a cameo as the leader of the frat of the evil frat boys <laughs> that the Mystery Men have to fight at one point. But uh, it is total frat mentality to the worst degree. You know, like everything I kind of stereotype and hate about frats, like is has come to life. And I don't. And that's not real life. You know what I'm saying? Like I have friends that are fraternity brothers, and I, you know, and if you look at Animal House, there's a diverse range of fraternities. You know to choose from and everything so it's just weird that he wants to sell this vision of coming of age masculinity what boys should do what women should do it's an irresponsible message in a way because these transformer movies to me are supposed to be in a way a family film or at least they're marketed as movies you should bring your kids to and i would never want like my son or daughter and i wouldn't show this to my niece or nephew like it's just kind of insulting in a way to be watching this and you know also us having gone to college this never happens this never happens it's impossible right we went to like a borderline college we didn't go to a college where this was ever going to happen one way or the other not to any not to insult our college but this is not like this this is a different level of school but you've been to other you've been to party schools and i've been to party schools and as crazy and outrageous as those get like it's never to this degree you know uh, there was one little wink that i kind of enjoyed when uh bumblebee parks himself on the front yard and the frat guys asked shy what's going on and he said he's going to find him a tighter shirt and they're like there isn't a tighter shirt kind of fist bump to, to a degree i almost felt like that was michael bay saying this is all a joke but then it keeps going it's almost like michael bay saying tight shirts are awesome you know and that's what made me lose my mind and uh, i was like oh, i can't i can't take it that's it. i was kind of having fun with shy and his parents and the transformers destroying the yard and all that kind of stuff with his dad and his mom and michaela like that was good and then they get to college and it's like just as unbearable as the two massive CGI robots that are going to run into a bunch of trees later in the forest and call that a fight. Like, it's just as mind-numbing. Well, what's also later in the movie that's on par with Michael Bay, like, the sort of things that you don't want kids to hear is that when, like, toward the end of the movie, there's, like, the joke where Leo Spitz is hiding, he comes out, and the two other little Autobots, like the little Mini Coopers or whatever they are, not Mini Coopers, Fiats, the cars that aren't Bumblebee, the green car, the red car. Oh, the twins. They're like, yeah, they're like, oh, you were hiding because you're a pussy. Then they fist bump. Is that what we're supposed to 
admire? Like, are we supposed to be... Are we supposed to like that? Right. Is that even funny? Like, they're calling him a little bitch half the movie, too, right? And, and I think even the RC Transformer, the one that's like a little 4x4 truck, like, it calls Megan Fox a bitch, too. I think he thinks it might come across as funny, but it's just not. It's just brash and kind of disrespectful. It's weird because it's the last thing you'd expect to hear from robots that are the good guys that are on your side, putting down their own teammates, you know, ragging on them. I I would understand if Megatron comes up and goes up to Sam and is like, you know, you little human bitch or whatever, like, that would make more sense, but that it's their own teammates ragging on them. What kind of message is that sending? Like, they're not working together here. This movie kind of gets the benefit of the doubt, because this morning, before I watched it, it's been a great day for movies. This morning, I watched Sharknado 4, and that movie's idea of a joke is literally just taking a line from Terminator 2 or Star Wars or whatever and just saying it. That's like, that's the joke. It's like, you know, come with me if you want to live. And like, you're supposed to be like, oh, I get that. Like, my, my little reptilian brain, I know what that's from. And I'm going to laugh because it doesn't fit here. It, I guess it works for people because at the same time, while I'm grudgingly getting through Sharknado 4 because I've seen the first three and I'm a completist, if nothing else, they're showing on TV all the tweets from people, hashtag Sharknado 4, and they're all like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. This is so funny. I've been waiting for this all my life or all year. Like it's, it's not letting me down. And there's like so many people out there who love whatever that is. It's not, I can't call it humor. I can't call it entertainment. I don't know what it is. But I feel like those are the same kind of people that hear the stereotypical frat bro, which I don't even know if they exist in real life. Like I feel like the, the, the frat bros in this movie that would enjoy this movie are something you only find on screen or people who want to be that. Like, I don't know who else is sitting back and enjoying this movie and saying, this is cool, like, I love all these robots, and I love the robots picking on the humans because humans are stupid. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. It's just strange. I mean, like, at least with Sharknado 4, like, that's a movie that knows what it is in a sense that they're trying to be this funny, horror, sci-fi, mixed-bag, crazy, do-whatever-you-can movie, and they know that they're on Sci-Fi Channel, and they know they're not great, but there's a certain energy and spirit to those movies that I like and that helps me get through them because I want to see at the end, you know, who's going to saw themselves out of the shark this year. The problem with Transformers is it feels like it's very important in a way. Like it doesn't, it's not in on any kind of joke. It's not trying to tell a joke. Like all this stuff we've been talking about, basically the shyest stuff, is like nothing compared to the rest of the movie, which is mostly just this giant military operation that's going on. Like, again, this is going to be a very self-important movie about war and terrorism, and they drop 9-11's name again and everything, and it's just like, why do you keep invoking all that stuff? I just want to have fun and a good time. I probably would have been fine if this movie was just Shia at college fighting Transformers for an hour and a half instead of going to Egypt and teleporting and things coming from space again and new characters out of the blue. It just, it's ultra confusing. I almost kind of feel like it makes me feel bad for not liking it sometimes. You know, it's like, oh, like this is mainstream. This is cool. This is what is popular. You don't like this? Like, go watch like some French film. And I'm like, fine, I will go watch (laughs) some French film, you know? Like, I don't need this in my life right now. What's weird about this movie, at least in direct comparison to the third movie, we watched in the third movie, he was struggling to find a job because he was on the FBI watch list 
and he couldn't tell the world, or he couldn't tell these people that he saved their lives multiple times. But at the end of this movie, he gets back to class, where he gets back to Rain Wilson, basically as Indiana Jones, like this rock star professor. <laughs> I guess it's supposed to be funny, and I feel like that's one of the closer things to funny, but I was just like, he's such a caricature that it doesn't work, that every girl yeah. is in love with him, every dude is just like, we're so psyched to learn about like physics right now, or whatever, whatever his class is. I don't even know what he's teaching, to be honest. <laughs> and... Shia comes back, and he's like, oh, welcome back, Professor Einstein. He's like, you know, uh, I've been a little busy, because like, everybody knows he was on the, on the FBI want, like, watch list, want list, whatever. I'm assuming, because of the 24-hour global news cycle, that they heard that there were robots destroying Egypt. So, <laughs> in what world does he not become like this internationally renowned savior of planets that all of a sudden, two years later, he can't find a job? Like, I don't understand the timeline. It's almost like that they just need it as like a plot point to just sort of tell a story. I just think they don't give a shit. Like, by the end, like, the end of this movie and the beginning of the next movie, like, there's no continuity. Halfway through here, the Decepticons try to take over the planets, and they even say, no more robots in disguises. Now the world will know who we are. Well, then, how in the next movie was it all some kind of secret cover-up there's no way it's just the lack of any type of consistency just screams like bad writing bad directing just bad communication you know what i'm saying like there's just bad communication going on because yeah at the end of the movie when he comes back like why does he even go back to school like why doesn't he go join the government operation nest if he's so important to the autobots as their liaison to the humans and stuff like what's josh dumal gonna do really they don't listen to him him, they don't listen to Tyree and these guys. You know why are they even in this movie? It's just, it's just by the end of this, you're, I'm scratching my head. Oh, first I'm going, what happened? And then I'm going, like, why is he? Yeah, what's with this like stinger teaser tag here that means nothing? And there's all kinds of crazy choices. Like that Rain Wilson character. If they're going to try and do some Indiana Jones kind of thing with him, he's like way too pompous. He's not teaching archaeology, which would have come up later in the movie because they're going to Egypt yep. to look for some kind of artifact in the desert, you know? And they actually go to the place of, I think, where they filmed The Last Crusade outside of the mountains there. They're like, remember this? Remember that? Well, we, we got it wrong. Like, we remembered it incorrectly. But, but it's just like, again, I feel like it's that Michael Bay filter. It's like, we need a splash of this, a splash of that, and we're going to run it through my brain, and out it comes, and it looks like madness. I just don't understand. I feel like they're just doing things like the splash of this, splash of that. It's like four quadrants of humor, but like all for the same type of demographic. Like the Devastator, this really badass robot at the end of the movie, he's just got testicles for some reason. Like, because, like, that's funny? Yeah. I guess. Wrecking balls. Yeah, I guess. And then, like, there's... But they're wrecking balls, dude. Balls. Get it? John Turturro <laughs> at one point takes his pants off and he's just in the thong because that's funny? Like, are these just things that make Michael Bay laugh? I think that's it. I think it's, like, We've got a direct line to his juvenile mind center, right? Like, these are the things that he thinks are funny, cool, hip, and marketable, I guess. I don't know. Because, okay, here's a question. Would girls, like teenage girls that like Shia, would they go to this movie? Yeah. Like, would they put up with this, really? I mean, because what is he doing? I like it when he gets possessed and freaks out and starts to stutter and stuff, but it's not, I wouldn't imagine that's attractive or anything for, like, a fan of, like, a fan of his to watch. I don't think this movie would hold the attention of a Shia fan. I think it's just more for the Transformer fans, like, they're the stars, and Shia's in it, and then we'll get those fans coming. Well, I feel like you don't need to hold their attention. I mean, once they're at the movie, you have their money. But are they going to come back for part three after this? I don't know if I would just put up with 
a franchise just to see a certain actor. Like, I'm not going to those Diversion movies or Divergent just to see um, Kate Winslet, you know? And I love Kate Winslet, but I'm not going to go watch her in that. I'm, I'm sorry, but I just, it's not my demographic. It's And I wouldn't break it just to watch her in it. And so I'm wondering if people will do that just to see Shia. Like, are they coming for Shia? Are they coming for the Transformers? And, and I honestly think it's the Transformers. It's something like we talked about last time. I just have no history with this, so I don't know why people... I don't understand why people like this. I'm sure that like, the, like, the cartoon yeah. was good. I just I just don't get it. On a, on a personal level, I just don't get it. Yeah, and I think for me, like a lot of this could honestly be fixed if it was just shot and edited completely differently. Everything is just really moving too quickly for my eye to read, and maybe it's my eyes, but I don't know. I've I said this last time, and I've heard from other people where some of the designs of the Transformers are just so complex and intricate, it's really hard to read what they're doing or what they look like, and then a minute later, they're quick-cutting them or they're transforming behind a tree or a brick or a, or a wall and you don't really get a great shot of what's of the action and I just think like the poor directing style is a detriment to the overall idea of the movie which is we want to see big robots fight each other well I know they're fighting each other but I can't really see what I'm looking at I almost wish we had someone more adept like Catherine Bigelow you know who's got a great sense of geography you know someone more with that kind of aptitude directing this to go back a step the reason people go see this movie because there's nothing else out. Like, I'm looking at the weekend that came out. Number two was The Proposal, which I think is that Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock movie, right? Yeah. I feel like this is the kind of movie where, like, in a high school couple, you know, the girl's like, all right, I'll go see Transformers if you come see The Proposal with me. And it's both, like, sort of compromises. Mm. But, like, also at the same time, like, The Hangover's out in theaters. But that's been out for a month. Up is out, but Up's been out for over a month. Star Trek's been out for two months. Night of the Museum's out, been out for six weeks. Terminator Salvation's been out for six weeks. So, like, there's actually, like, that's kind of, like, a lot of big action movies. I mean, this is sort of a summer blockbuster season, but there's nothing that's sort of new or fresh. It's this and then My Sister's Sister's Keeper is the only other major new release, and that, like, with Cameron Diaz and Abigail Breslin and Nick Cassavetti's movie, like, that is not, like, a direct competition for this movie. So I feel like it's just people go see these just because there's nothing else out and because you can turn your brain off for two and a half hours. But I, I agree. If we had Catherine Bigelow or someone more adept behind the camera or even somebody just, like, writing a smarter script, it would be better. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only really fun part for me is John Turturro pretending he's, like, in his own action movie. Like, he, as the actor, knows he doesn't have the looks or, you know, the phys- like the body to ever be, like, an action star, but he's able to sort of narrate his own movie trailer and become, like, the hero of his own adventure toward the end of the movie. And that that was fun for me. I, I don't know. Yeah, I actually feel like Totoro was good in the last one and in this one. Like, he's a kind of a constant. I I think he'll probably... I know he's in the first one, too. I don't know, man. Like, the writing is just so bad. Like, it's confusing, and things just happen out of sheer convenience. I mean, I know at the time this was made, they basically didn't have a finished script. It was during the writer's strike. So they were mostly making this movie up as they went along, just to hit a release date. And that's bad enough when you're just a little independent film that hasn't finished its script in time, but when you're a movie of this caliber, and you're going to be using designs like that Devastator thing, and you know you have to animate that sequence, you know, like a year 
before you even start shooting or something just to, it's gonna be in the movie you're going in with these certain elements and you have to make it work and they totally don't feel prepared to make this movie and that's how it comes across to me and and the tutorial stuff is good but then that's the thing like everybody feels like they're in a different movie to a degree you know Josh Dumal and Totoro never really share screen time because they're in two different movies in this one movie and Shia and Totoro are good together I'd like to see them maybe in something else but it gets to a point for me where everything just starts to glaze over and I zone out and get lost in it and I even felt like I like fell asleep with my eyes open at one point wondering like where am I where what's going on now like how did we get here it's just very disorienting another thing that happened on set that messed up I guess the shooting schedule is that Shia got in a car crash I don't know if you remember but like this was the movie where he got in yes. a car crash and hurt his hand Michael Bay wanted to add that into the script that he hurt his hand they wanted he wanted rewrites to, to weave that in and the writer was like no like we're not really changing it. so all they did was when they get warped to Egypt, he has that, like, he, you see his hand sort of burning a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's just wrapped up for the rest of the movie. He healed quicker than people thought, and they only really missed two days of shooting, but, like, it's, like, stuff like that that it feels like, even though, like, they weren't ready to shoot the movie, then at the same time, like, they sort of, like, life-throwing, like, a wrench in a, into the business, you know, and just sort of being like, good luck getting through this, because now there's this. And apparently also, during this movie, Shia, like, poked his eye on some prop and, like, almost went blind. Oh, man. And he, he said it was, like, the most surreal experience of his life. Like, I couldn't understand, because all, the, all these facts that I get are just from the IMDb trivia page. And so whoever wrote this fact, I don't know what they were talking about, but they said that the doctor held up his, like, thumb and index finger and just said the word blindness. And I don't know what that means, but I guess they thought maybe possibly that Shia, like, lost vision in his eye. Like, I don't know. That was, like, I'm, like, two days from the end, like, really at the very end of shooting. Crazy. Wow, yeah, you never want to sort of cause production to halt when you know you know no matter how big a star you are i remember when you know when they talked about harrison ford like breaking his ankle on star wars and having to shut that down like everything just causes complications and when you don't have the benefit of the writers being able to work around that you're screwed you're stuck with like the most glaring continuity error in film history basically they do about as much lip service to his hand and it being like that as they do to anything else in this they just don't care they just mention it and move on or roll out you know on to the next thing did you even hear what they said over like the blaring musical choices maybe not but they're not going to repeat it anyway so just keep moving through this movie if you can just drudge through i I think that's just like another in a long line of problems for this cursed movie sort of the most interesting things about this movie are i guess the off the screen relationships right before transformers 3 was going to come out shia gave an interview about how he and megan fox hooked up on set and this might have been while she was still married to Brian Austin Green. Is Shia like sort of either didn't know or didn't care whether or not like that broke up their marriage? He apparently fooled around with that Isabel Lucas, I think her name is, the girl who oh, plays that Alice the girl, the girl like the rope, yeah, the girl, the girl bot. Uh. And he said like it didn't really work out because they basically just having fun after this movie or while not after this movie. 
total lie. I wa- I looked while I was watching this movie because God, I needed to change my like. I just needed like a break <laughs> from the movie. I googled is did Shia and Megan Fox ever date, and I just came up with this. It just seemed like they were. I mean, it's sort of the same thing Kit Harrington said about him and Rose Leslie when they're on Game of Thrones. Like you know, you have Jon Snow and you have Egret. When you are both on set and like the person you're supposed to be in love with in the movie or the show is beautiful, it sort of is easy to fall in love with that person. And so I'm assuming you have two movies that they're probably shooting these movies. They're together pretty much every day for like a year and a half, two years, whatever. And they're both attractive young people. Like, things are going to happen. I don't think they ever really dated, but they obviously did something. And, you know, whether or not that contributed to her divorce, who knows? But that's sort of the, the more interesting things to me than whatever Michael Bay is doing on screen. <laughs> that's kind of interesting. I wonder if this is sort of around the time that Shia is starting to develop his reputation a little bit as not quite a bad boy, but definitely someone who walks his own line in a lot of ways, right? Like, takes over interviews or talks about things that seemingly are things you wouldn't necessarily mention, right? Like, behind the scene things about movies, not, like, staying on bullet points and stuff like that. And it's kind of interesting to see. I wonder, you know, maybe he's just, like, fed up or exhausted or wants to entertain now as much off-screen as he's doing on-screen, and we're seeing a bit of, like, Shia the performance artist start to creep through or something like that, but it's giving this podcast a little bit more interest for me talking about the stuff not about the movie but uh, it's funny how you say like you had to you know sort of distract yourself while you were watching this I actually had to turn this off and I watched like an episode of TV for a half hour and then came back and finished the movie like I hear you man like just I actually did sit through this in theaters when it came out searching my mind to I think I saw it because I knew it was going to be a train wreck because of the writer strike and I just needed to see how bad it was going to be in theaters but you know I would there's no way I could have the endurance that you need is like Michael Phelps level to sit through this I mean I'd rather probably watch Nymphomaniac again <sighs> I mean, like, I messaged you while I was watching the movie, like, trying to set up this recording, and I was like, oh, God, I'm only 57. Like, there's so much... <laughs> th- these movies are weird in, like, so much happens and nothing happens. Right. And I felt like I was close to the end of the movie, and I was like, oh, I still have an hour and a half of this movie. The good thing about watching these in reverse, they're all long movies, but each movie is, like, five or ten minutes shorter than the next one. You know, it's so, like the first one's the shortest, then this one's a little bit longer, the third one's a little bit longer, and then Age of Extinction, which we're not doing because Shia's not in it, that's even longer still. So as we go back in time, there's a little bit less we have to get through each movie. One other side note that doesn't have anything to do with Shia, but has to do with Isabel Lucas? I think I'm saying her name right. Is that what it is? So she was almost, that role was supposedly, rumor has it, almost given to Teresa Palmer, who's the girl in oh. Warm Bodies. She's the girl in Lights Out, that that horror movie from this year. Michael Bay says that was, that's not true. But what's interesting is that both Isabel Lucas and Teresa Palmer are both in... Knight of Cups, the new Terrence Malick movie. So it's weird that they, like, sort of almost intersected paths on this movie six or seven years later, whatever, would make Knight of Cups oh. together. Was she in Sorcerer's Apprentice? Yep, that is her. Wow. So a little cage connection there. She's had a... She's, she's lived a blessed life. Well, she dodged a bullet this time. She did. She really... I mean, okay, let's talk about how weird... I don't like that... Because there's no precedent for it. That all of a sudden, just like a person is a robot? Yeah. Has that ever happened again or before? Mm -hmm. Not to my knowledge, no. And it's just like the movie doesn't even have any rules for itself at that point, you know? Like, I was saying last time with Part 3, like, the ro- the Transformer robots can transform into, like, a multitude of different things. A bird, a TV, a laptop, whatever. But this is, like, not even a robot. Like, how can you do, like, flesh and stuff? And it's just 
beyond a reasonable doubt. Like, I just don't buy it. It just goes, it goes too far. And there's no explanation or anything or, yeah, setup. It's just there and it's obnoxious. It's weird. I just don't understand because when, when she shows up, she's like, are you Sam? And you see, I guess you're supposed to know that something's up because he's an unknown at the school, which, by the way, was shot at both Princeton and UPenn. And mm-hmm. neither school wanted their name on it because they all <laughs> felt that his mom's drug antics were mm-hmm. damaging for their reputation. Princeton, another indie connection. Taught at Princeton, so... But, like, he's an unknown at the school. I mean, he saved the world in the first movie, but he's flying across the country to sort of get a fresh start somewhere mm-hmm. that nobody really knows who he is. All of a sudden, this hot girl at this party just comes up to him and is, like, all about him and, like, insists on getting a ride with him. It's just weird. Like, I, I know that Bumblebee is sort of messing with her as they drive away, but I feel like Bumblebee could have given a hint to Shia somehow that, like... Because Bumblebee's got a sense that she's a robot, right? No, that's the problem. I don't think Bumblebee knows she's a robot. Just thinks that he's cheating on Megan Fox at that point. You know, like, none of it makes any sense. Like, he should definitely feel that she's, like, robotic or see through her with his robo-vision somehow be able to tell just from her molecular density that she is not a human by any means. And it's also very confusing, you're right, as to how she knows who Sam is. I was able to sort of piece the plot together a bit afterwards using a lot of brain power more than I wanted to, but I think what's going on is, you know that shard that he had? The shard sort of made him insane. He knows, like, the history of the Transformers, so the Decepticons are trying to find him to get that information out of his brain, and somewhere at some point, what must have happened is the army knew that Sam had a piece of the shard, and that the bad robots intercepted that information somewhere, but I can't remember seeing that happen in the movie. No, I don't think, I don't know if it happened or not, because I don't remember. But it had to have happened. Because, oh god, what are they trying to do? Because they kill Optimus Prime in this movie. This is also the second movie where Shia dies. Dude, they straight up murder Optimus Prime, and Shia dies, like, that is weird. That is a, that is just uncalled for. And they're both revived after Shia sort of like spirit walks to the Autobot planes. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. But <laughs> So I guess the point of the movie is that the Decepticons want to harness the power of our sun to get energy, I guess? And so yeah, they're like... trying to find the machine, which is under one of the pyramids, yeah. and so that's where the shard gives Shia the information. I don't know. It's all stupid nonsense. But, dude, you made it sound so simple. Like, all we needed was a character to say, what's going on? And the other character to say, half a million years ago, Decepticons hid a machine that could transform the sun into to their energy, and good Transformers stopped them. Now they're back to transform our sun into energy and use the machine. But that never happens in the movie. You never, like, you have to piece everything together on your own. It's either you get this big, incoherent jet fire robot talking in an accent and being very unintelligible, telling you exposition that you need to follow but can't, or they just never even bother. It's like a game of catch-up. You really need, like, an Ellen Page in Inception. Just to be like, wait, what's going on? Yes, wait, what's, totally. Who, who is this? Now, wait, what's this robot? Because there's so many robots. I also feel like we're, we're sort of at a disadvantage because so we're, we're watching out of order, and so I don't know who any of these robots are. But, I, dude, I finally learned that the good robots have blue eyes and the bad robots have red eyes, oh. except the one robot that they wake up at that museum who just destroyed... This movie really pushes my <laughs> buttons in terms of destroying artifacts and stuff. Like, they destroy yeah. the pyramids, they destroy, like, the Space and Aeronautical Museum or wherever they're at. I know it's just a movie, but that bothers me still. I'm just like, oh, you're, you're damaging so 
much history. That robot, you know, he's got red eyes, and so that's why, you know, Megan Fox, he's, he's, he's got the Decepticon logo. And then we find out he's just like, oh, no, like, I, I side with the Autobots now. And they're just like, wait a minute, like, they can just choose to be a good guy? And, like, the little Decepticon that Megan Fox is trying to train for some good goddamn who knows why reason. <laughs> she's just carrying him around in like, that box that John is like, you're carrying him around like a chihuahua. Like, I spent my entire life looking for these things, and you got one, like, in your purse like a chihuahua. All that robot needs to hear is like, oh, I don't need to just be inherently bad. I can choose to be good. Like, okay. And then he's good. Everything's just so weird. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like there's way too many robots, and there's even too many human characters, but there's especially too many robots. You never get to learn who anyone is, and I know in the first movie, we're gonna eventually we're gonna meet Optimus and Bumblebee properly, but they're not my problem. My problem is all these other robots that are on screen for like two or three minutes and then get blown to pieces basically, and I'm supposed to feel something. It would be totally cool, like later on we get those construction guys, the Constructicons. Like, those guys should have been the main bad robots the entire movie, and then the reveal at the end is, oh, they can combine and form a gigantic transformer bigger than anybody and start stepping on buildings or something. But no, it's like, oh, we need to throw Constructicons into our movie at some point, so let's just, like, get it in there somewhere. You mentioned fan service in Part 3. I feel like it's way overboard in this one. Like, we're going to get Soundwave, who I know from the toy. Like, I, I played with the toys more than I watched the cartoon, but, I mean, I recognized a lot more this time around than Part 3. But Soundwave is not a satellite. He's a boombox, but they're just like, let's just use the name and the voice and we'll appropriate it for whatever we want. And that's really what's going on here. They're just, like, picking and choosing references. None of it feels like it's, like, sticking to me. I can't follow it. It's just, it's overload. It's, it's you know, just give me, like, a team of Transformers and let's have a smart one, a dumb I don't care. Like, maybe Make them basic, but let's stick to it, you know, set it up, establish it like a movie does. Like, I want them to be characters, and they're simply not a lot of characters in this movie. One bit of trivia on IMDb, this is how confusing things are in terms of the so many characters, is, I guess, the everybody like their, their, everybody's favorite Transformer. And Michael Bay likes the twins because, of course, he does. Megan Fox likes the Devastator because he's the cool bad guy. Shia likes Scalpel, and I don't know who Scalpel is. Oh, okay. He's the tiny sort of German Goebbels, like, Nazi robot that slices up his brain or something? Or they put, like, a... He, he, when they rebuild Megatron at the bottom of the ocean, he comes out and, he, and he's like, we need parts for him, so they destroy oh. one of the, And then later, he's on top of Shia, and they put, like, a bug into his face or something, and he's like, we need to cut them open and stuff. So, okay, yeah. so that's Scalpel. I would assume that's Scalpel because he's the, like, he's the doctor. Did you know that Michael Bay said the film's tone is like Ben-Hur fused with Apocalypse Now? I didn't know that, and that's that's a very unintelligent statement to make, if you ask yeah. me. <laughs> they bear no resemblance to those films in any capacity, if you were to ask me. I mean, perhaps maybe behind the scenes it was like Hearts of Darkness, like making Apocalypse Now. It was just like insanity behind the scenes, but I mean, that is just like so... <laughs> that's like, who would... Nah. <laughs> Michael Bay would. If you're asking who would... Michael Baywood. Like, that's the only person. Which is strange, though. Like, I almost feel like these movies possessed him in some way, because I don't see a lot of this stuff in all of his other work. Like, it's there now that I think about it, but, like, I'm able to enjoy his other movies. Like, I like Bad Boys. Like, I know the, those What about Bad Boys 2, where there's, there's a poster of in this movie? <laughs> well, I actually haven't seen Bad Boys 2. Uh, don't tell anyone Wait, yet. You, you ain't seen Bad Boys 2. 
<laughs> I wish I could do a Nick Frost accent because I would. You ain't seen Bob Boys too. But like, I, you know, that movie is misogynistic and stuff. But there's like a tone about it that laughs at itself. But yeah. I don't pick up on any of that here. And I even get that in like Pain and Gain and stuff. You know, like I feel like he can do good work and he can be a good filmmaker. But that he entirely chooses not to here. I mean, he's he's dumbed down everything to such a level that it's mind numbing. Well, what's weird is that, like, Pain and Gain, I feel, sort of, I guess, in a way, like, Wolf of Wall Street has, like, these guys who are doing this very illegal thing and sort of making it look glamorous, but at the end of the day, they still have a downfall. You know, it's about the glamorizing. Like, he sort of glamorizes it, but, like, at the same time, says, like, this isn't cool for whatever reason. Like, Bad Boys, it's, the movie itself is misogynistic, but these are, like, good cops, and they're, like, doing, like, important things. This is just, like, I don't think there's no lesson to be learned. Yeah. What's weird is that, like, I think he called these movies like his baby because in between the first and the second Transformers, he wanted to make Pain and Gain, but was afraid that if he left after one, they would have taken the franchise away from him. So he put Pain and Gain on the back burner and like just started doing this immediately afterwards. Like apparently, the the first Transformers won the best movie at the MTV Movie Awards. Oh, that's important. This started shooting the next day, so like there was you know no downtime. You know what I mean? Like I'm assuming that yeah. like if he raps on this one. They go to post production. He's already starting about like how to do the second one. He loves these movies. I'm just surprised that like he doesn't want to like put more thought into them. I'm actually surprised that he actually wants to work on more of these. To be quite honest with you, not only do they look like they take an incredibly long time and an, an, an extraordinary amount of energy to keep up to make this type of movie, but hasn't he? done everything that he'd wanted to by now like he's you know what I'm saying like they're so overstuffed and stuff like how much more does he need to assault us with at this point like I I feel like it needs a different filmmaker behind the helm someone who takes himself maybe a little more seriously knows that the material isn't that serious right like that's the main thing to me is just that there's no fun to really be had here at the end of the day I don't really know what happened when all is said and done and the smoke clears, everything just just reset back to status quo, right? Like, it feels like the end of the movie feels just like the beginning of the movie. Like, everything is normal. I want to see a good Transformers movie. That's what kills me. Like, you know, I love big robots and monsters, and I really know, I know in my heart that there's a good Transformers movie waiting to be made out there somewhere, but the way things are going, he signed on for a few more. I think he said there's going to be like eight of them or some shit. They're never going to stop, but fingers crossed that one day, someday, somehow, we might get someone else working on this thing. I just have no idea whatsoever. Well, like, <laughs> would you, are you done, I mean, after the next Transformers, would you be like, that's it? Like, I, I mean, does this turn you off from other movies like this in a way? Like, are you done with big robot movies? Like, does it, you know what I'm saying? Does it turn you off from a genre? Is it that bad in a way? No, because I see everything. I mean, I don't like okay. it, but, you know, I still see it. I hear you. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it should. Like, it, it bothers me when people just don't seem to care, which is exactly what hap- what, like, it, what it feels like in this movie. Like, it just feels like nobody cares except for yeah. John Turturro sort of cares and Shia Megan Fox parents like Kevin Dunn and I still don't remember her name the mom who's they're both really good Great. in this movie yeah they're good but like I just like it just doesn't seem like anybody want like like Josh Dumel who's like one of the stars of the movie essentially like is just like so vanilla in this I just don't get it I just don't know yeah oh 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 so in the movie uh, his roommate which oh by the way also before I get to this the roommate was 
it was apparently originally offered to Jonah Hill. Okay, all right. Which I think would have been really fun. I would have liked that. It got so far as he got the script for the movie, but then I don't know. I don't know if it was scheduling or he just declined it or whatever happened. But they also got this guy. His name is Leo Spitz. I wonder if do you think that that's like a play on like Leo Getz, like from the Lethal Weapon movies? Oh, I don't know. Because it's like a Leo name that ends in a Z, and it's just like a, a manic character. You know what I mean? But Bay wasn't really involved with Lethal Weapon, right? That was. But maybe he just liked it. Maybe it's just like an homage. Yeah. Oh, possibly. I actually started out liking that character, and then like it was the most quick 180. Like I've almost ever done. There's a moment in the movie where John Turturro's like, "Can someone shut this kid up?" And I was thinking the exact same thing. He just started grating on me at one point. They have a site called TheRealEffingDeal.com, which I guess is like a news blog, which is similar to, I guess, Carrie Mulligan's thing in Wall Street. Like, just sort of like they're just trying to break news about whatever. Okay. I went to TheRealEffingDeal.com, but it's some Chinese site now, which I feel like almost assuredly gave my my computer a virus. At one point, there's no reason for a company as big as this, you know, as big as... What studio put this out? Universal? Or Paramount. Whatever it is. Paramount. Or Hasbro. Like, Hasbro. Keep that domain registered. Yeah. Apparently at one point they owned it and it directed to like the Transformers 4 site, but now it's not a thing anymore. So I don't know when that happened, but that's like, like this is a big movie. Yeah, like where's the afterthought? Like, <laughs> you know, the, these movies aren't going to disappear or anything. That, that's one thing that's new and you know, you put a website in your film, like, you better kind of keep that up for viral marketing reasons, you know, these days. Like, that's a tricky thing. I, maybe they just, back when this movie came out, they weren't thinking in that mindset. No, they were. They probably, because, yeah, no, they really should have been. You're right. Like, that should just still come back. You know, they should bring Leo Spitz back in Transformers 8 and be like, I have the website was still going. What's up, you guys? Like, you didn't, you know, you never bothered to call me? Like, hey, Mark Wahlberg, I knew Shia LaBeouf. I have info, like, you might need. <laughs> it's the same thing like in movies when they have like a 555 number that takes you out of it but like I can't imagine it costs a lot of money to like buy a phone number and just keep it in service you know what I mean compared to the amount of money that they probably throw away on whatever like they shot 1.25 million feet of film for this movie which I don't know that seems like a lot you know with budgets like that like just keep a domain up like pay $50 a year like even if it's an expensive domain like 50 like Cage Club is 20 bucks a year just keep it up like, the real effing deal.com can't be expensive <laughs> to keep in service. Yeah, and I'm telling you, man, bring it back. Keep it in continuity. Like, that's what's so cool about viral marketing and stuff is, like, it can be dormant for a while, and then it can reemerge. Like, look at Cloverfield, right? Like, all of that stuff stayed up online, and then they had the secret new movie came out this year, and it all tied back around, and there was more viral marketing, and people were looking up the old stuff again, and it was still there. So, yeah, they really didn't have the foresight to think about that with their marketing they need to hire a modern day don draper or something over there oh boy i guess or just like have anybody on set with half a brain well i don't know yeah that would work too that's all that i have about this movie i don't want to talk about this movie anymore unless you have anything <laughs> else you want to talk about do you have any other notes no not so much you know going in just starting it i was like well this isn't quite as bad as part three but then by the end of it i was sort of like yeah they're they're equally as bad you know it's the same thing i didn't see any improvement or disprovement over the course of these last two movies and shia's basically doing the exact same thing i mean i give him a lot of credit for keeping up that high energy it can't be good he's he's yelling and screaming his lines in every scene that he's in he's manic he's all over the place that's about the best thing i could say about it i mean i just this i want to like these movies i i'm I don't like 
making fun of movies or talking trash about them or nitpicking them, but, I mean, sometimes it's just hard not to. Unfortunately, Transformers brings that out of me, so I wasn't trying to upset anybody, but it's we're going to do another one of these, so you might get a little more of that. Well, the good news is that the, the best one that we have is yet to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the first one's the best one, and so I think that there's going to be a lot more to like about the first one. We'll see. But before we get there, it's not like we have two of the last three movies that we did were Transformers. We now have three movies in a row oh, where we don't have to watch a Transformers movie. We have Eagle Eye in New York, I Love You, and Indiana Jones. Ah. So we're, there's like a, we, have, we have a gap before we get there. So nice. Three days off. And then we'll be back for the first Transformers. Well, not the first Transformers, just the first Michael Bay Transformers. Well, the first live-action Transformers. So for all things, all his movies, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can listen to the past podcasts, listen to other shows on the network, find out more stuff about Shia. Whatever you want to do, cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on All His Movies. I got an Ill-